Hello. This is the uh, John Roderick School of Podcasting, where you just roll out of bed. Hmm. Pretty good. How are you? Roll out of bed and get right on mic. You're so, you're so, to... full, of, you're so full of shame. You're so full of shame that you're always looking to figure out how you can take a little bit out of somebody else. You know I take why naps. Should you be, why should you be ashamed of taking a nap? I'm a not nap ashamed is... of taking... I'm not ashamed of anything. Sounds like you are. No, I just think it's funny that, that I'm I, shaming I, you for you being need ashamed. to mention our in-band communication here on the show. Uh-huh. Everything that's in the show, you know, is in the show. It's a, it's a, you know, it's funny because you seem so proud, but, mm-hmm. but really I think it's all, it's so much of it is seated in fear and shame, mm-hmm. which is fine because I'm in touch with that for myself. Mm-hmm. It's just that for you, you tie yourself in knots about things like me taking a nap. Mm. Now, what is your problem with naps? I don't have a problem with nap. All I commented is that you are rolling right out of a nap straight into a podcast. You know, normally people take a while to get like a running start, you know, like they get warmed mm. up, to get cranked up. I just can't do going. this right, can I? I just, I, I, there's no way I do this that I will do it right. I mean, I didn't say it was wrong. I was just describing what was hmm. happening. So you I'm wrong about, wrong. wrong about being wrong. I'm double, is two wrongs make a right? Mm, yeah, three wrongs makes a left. Hmm. Pretty good. Uh, I, uh, we recorded a new time now. And uh, so I have to adjust my uh, eating schedule and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I slept for 59 minutes and, uh, and nice. here I am. I, I mixturated and I made myself a water and I'm cock of the walk. There you go. You're cock of nothing. Speaking of water, uh, did you see part two of the accent tour video? Oh, you know, I think I did, but I didn't watch it carefully. He's in the, he's in the South now, right? I don't know, but I thought there's any particular system. This oh, is, I do uh, remember like, the next stop is California. You know, I did watch it. I remember New Orleans. Yeah, I think I got distracted because he kept doing he kept doing accents while he was talking. Is it Eric Singer? Is that the guy's name? Yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. He's like an accent coach for Hollywood. He does YouTube videos. He's, He's that doing a handsome report. guy that does yeah. the Wired videos on you know how good is John Cusack's Nixon and stuff like that. Yeah, and like these videos, the ones where he's doing a tour, there's lots of different accents in the U.S. I feel like he goes too fast. Like I want him to linger on, you know, he'll do some cool thing with the accent. These people say this and these people say that. It's like, but wait, but wait, and then he's on to the next one. So I guess. I, I, I agree with you, although I think another point of view, I remember when I first did, well, not first did, I only did a few episodes. When I did the Merlin show, the the thing I heard from friends of mine who know this sort of thing said, oh my God, you can't do like a 10 minute video or a 15 minute video, the video, <laughs> video your videos. Yeah. Videos have to be three minutes or whatever. Yeah. And this is excluding what we know now about how to monetize on YouTube and is it the right length and how far did people watch? But, um, as those sorts of videos go, these are practically epic. So I'm, I, I mean, I would love it. So what are they like 15 minutes, something like that? Yeah, they're not that long. I mean, I watch, you know, hour-long car rebuilding videos. I would love it. I, I I would watch a series. I would watch a six-part series like on PBS. I would watch a uh I would watch a uh what do they call it on Netflix? Uh a special series or whatever. Uh there's one bit in this one, the one part that I liked that I guess you can go back and rewatch over and over because they don't linger on it. It was talking about something whose name I can't remember, some kind of vowel rotation that's happening in like the top half of the country. Uh, they have a diagram. I don't know if you remember it. It's like a diagram that shows where it's pronunciation like a v is. Diagram, like going. It's more like one... a. It's a like a. It's a four sided shape that's supposed to roughly be equivalent to a side view of your mouth. 
So like top of the mouth, bottom of the mouth, front of the mouth, right, back of the right, mouth. Right, yeah. Um, and it shows where different vowel sounds are. And the, the whole point of this little bit was that the vowel sounds were rotating. So the sound moved up. And then when it moved up, the one that was to its right moved to the left to fill its spot. And the one that was above that moved down. You know, it was a rotation, right? That was mm-hmm. the point. And they do this funny bit in the video where they say, now people who, who say, they say X like Y and they say Y like Z and they say Z like Q. Like, and they go, you know, they go through this quick little cute thing saying how all these words that kind of sound similar have been rotated, right? And yeah. the funny thing about that part of the video and about about all these videos is to to speak about accents without getting into all of like the actual academic, you know, the little symbols they have for different sounds and everything, right? That mm-hmm. they're not letters. There are these little funny shapes like schwa. Everyone knows a little upside down E. There's all sorts of symbols that correspond specifically to a particular sound. But in a video meant for the general public, you can't use those because no one knows what those are. I don't know what those are. I don't know what sound this little funny symbol is supposed to make, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to speak by way of analogy. And that's a real problem when you're doing a show with yeah, accents. What's your, what's your baseline? Exactly. And mm-hmm. when they did this rotation thing, I, I felt like they were declaring a baseline. They were declaring a secret unspoken baseline because in order to understand what they were saying, oh, let's say now the people, these people say Ben, like you say bin and they say bin, like you say, and it's like, well, wait a second. That's not true. Mm-hmm. If I already say bin for Ben, what you said makes no sense. And I just thought of you and your Dawn and Don and all that mm. business or whatever mm-hmm. this. And I think Eric Singer assumes a baseline that probably has more different vowel sounds than most viewers hmm. and of course the words are on the screen too you can see b-i-n and b-e-n and all that stuff but when i mean like like if we're saying if jokes have left the room this is also i think part of the problem of like uh, the problem or the um the dissonance where i i don't hear what the hell you're talking about in most of these mm-hmm. things because i come from um a background where there is no distinction it's 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 not a question of being right or wrong it's a question of like what people do Right, like, and it's, it's the sort of thing that enables somebody to code switch. In some ways, I remember I first learned that term. I was visiting New College. I wasn't even going there yet, and I met this woman from Jamaica who was writing about code switching. And you know, in that case, the more cultural sort of like what how we speak in different you know settings. And but you, I mean, we've all known people who like go to England and come back with a weird accent, or like they, you know, even more frequently though, like think about African American people, you know, who, who like. They speak really differently around one another or one another in even in different classes, different settings, different, um, you know what I mean? Like from different backgrounds, who's, who is, in, are they in your family or not? Like what sort of like uh, level of formality do you use with your nouns and, or your pronouns in, um, in, in Spanish, et cetera. And I, I agree with you though, because there is no baseline. And it's, it's, I, I don't say this just for bits, but it's, there are some things where I definitely hear, like I can hear Alex's challenge, uh, but I don't hear a bunch of those because those distinctions do not exist where I'm from. Saying Warsh is not weird. So, you know, that's not weird where I'm from. That's how people talk. Um, and, and so I, I do agree. But then I think one way that gets illustrated, I like the way they kind of do, like, especially he does this during the celebrity th- ones or the, you know, p- roles in movies where he'll like take a clip of how like, um, again, like JFK says this word, he'll play the sentence and then he'll say it like five times in a row. Just like, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. And and I think that helps. But also the one that got me in this one, do you remember what he said about how New Orleans and uh, New York have mm-hmm. similarities? 
Mm-hmm. That had never occurred to me before. And, and but you hear like sort of like what we think of as a Brooklyn accent, or excuse me, like a, what we think of again, as he says, like these aren't necessarily distinctions, but what we think of as a Bronx Bronx accent, and how that could sound anything like somebody from Louisiana. Like, well, shouldn't they sound like they're from Paris? Well, no, that's not how it worked. You know, or, or like parts of England where like there are parts of England where people sound like people from certain parts of the South versus certain parts of our South versus certain parts of uh, like your your area. It's so interesting to me because it, it's I guess in some ways it's all about, you know, oh, God, who was the guy who was uh, the genetics guy with the plants, you know, where like you get these strange cross pollinations. Yeah, it might have been I thought, not Lyman Hook. He was the microscope guy. But anyhow, I'm I'm prattling on, but I do think A, I do think this stuff is fascinating. But B, I agree with you. If you're I mean, to, to even make this more complicated, you know, our our uh, our our mouths and our uh uh <laughs> what's the word he uses, our uh not stature, our um <laughs> but the way we position everything and the way we talk, that all differs person to person, but our ears differ too. And that's that makes it all the all the more complex. You know, there's a reason that the classic dumb American version of an English accent, everybody <laughs> sounds mm-hmm. terrible in the same way. You're either doing a terrible Cockney accent or you're doing a terrible received English accent. And like, there's actually like so many more subtleties that just seem crazy to us. There's the thing with, uh, with foreign languages, languages that, you know, that have different sounds than foreign your meaning language. language we don't speak. Yeah, like no matter where you are, pick a pick a country and a language, and then then there are often other places in the world where you can go where there is a language that does not that has sounds that are not in your language, right? Uh-huh. And if the sound is not in your language, period, it's very difficult for a lot of people to hear it. Um, uh, you know, I think of like let, I let think something like Chinese or Korean. There are there are they'll say three different words that are pronounced three different ways. And to different an American speaker, they'll sound exactly the same because we don't have whatever whatever nuance of sound they're doing just doesn't exist. Well, this, it's tonal. Like we don't we don't have any. I'm sure we have something like that, but tonality and like the different kind of like pitches are, are so different. And we we weren't raised to have that be yeah, something because we, we, we weren't we weren't raised to form them with our mouths. And because it, they don't exist in the language, it wasn't important for our brains to get good at hearing them. The sounds are there and our ears can technically hear them. But our brain that processes speech is not yeah, attuned yeah. to picking that up because it's not important. It's noise in our language because it has no meaning. But in their language, it's the difference, you know, between two different words. But for the things that you talk about, I mean, it could just be bad Skype connections or your rock and roll ears. But these are instances of like with the vowel rotation, where all these vowel sounds exist in wait, English. Wait, 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 what you're saying or what Eric, what's his name saying? There's no difference between, John, I need to settle this once and for all. Mm-hmm. The word D-A-W-N and the word mm-hmm. D-O-N, I pronounce them exactly the same. Yes, you pronounce them the same I, way, but, but you often say that you can't hear the difference I can't, when I pronounce I cannot, them I do not, unless you do a joke accent like the people right, in your mall well, okay. video. If you go do on, I right, hear right. that. And I so know that, that's not so, done. So not. that's, I mean, so that's a miniature version of not hearing the sound. But but in this case with like the vowel rotation, all these sounds are in the language. Do you just put them in different words? Uh, now mm. there's the merging, you know, the the caught caught merger, right? Where those two words are merged. But the but in you know that those two different sounds, though they don't exist in those words for some people, those vowel sounds exist in other words. Or at the very least, you hear other English speakers saying them. So it's it's oh, like the, when you said a, a shrimp, you order prune. one. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, so it's a lesser mm-hmm. degree of like your brain never needed to hear this distinction, 
you're, you never needed to make the distinction among the people with the same accent as you, and you didn't hear it from them, but you did hear it in the slightly larger English-speaking word of, let's say, television. That gets back to the baseline thing, because when he went through, I think this is, I think I have it up on the screen. I'm trying to look at it noiseless here, noiselessly, so I don't have double audio in my ears, but he did bet, but, and bought uh, with mm. different vowel sounds. And when he was going through those, I think his baseline is like, kind of like newscaster english like uh-huh. uh i mean it's hard because we've had newscasters with various accents but like the, yeah, but the, the evening news from the from the 60s to the 80s mid-atlantic generic american accent right and i think that accent possibly inflected by a little bit of the new york accent just because of the media center that new york was for the national news uh has all these different distinction sounds in them. And so like his baseline, what it turns out is that Eric Singer's baseline that he uses for these videos to try to make people understand them is basically the same baseline as mine. Uh, And so when he said, this sounds like that, that sounds like this, I'm like, that makes perfect sense to me. But then I said, wait a second, if it makes perfect sense to me, that means it makes absolutely no sense probably to Merlin. So I don't know if this is very instructive to explain these things. And I feel like maybe- It was was bet, bet, but, bought. I feel like preceding that could be bit. And yeah, after yeah, that, like, would be again, boat. I'm just, I'm just you know what I mean? Where it's video. like you could almost take a little trip through those five sounds. You know what I mean? Like bit, bet, butt, bot, yeah. boat. <laughs> you could yeah. feel it moving further to the back. So, some more vowel sounds in the little diagram trap, strut, dress, lot. Like, I mean, th- these are all so distinct to me, just like Don and Dawn are distinct to me. Log I think it's dog. pronounced lot. Yeah, right. And I have to exaggerate for you to hear it, but I feel like even when I don't exaggerate, you probably kind of hear it a little bit. It's just not important in in, in your language. Oh, I, I do. I do. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Of course I hear it. What? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Absolutely. I, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. Once again, I'm sorry I took a nap and I'm I'm sorry that I was raised in a place where I don't know the difference between sounds. I don't know how yeah. I get by. It's really strange that I do talking for work. I know. Well, I mean, th- th- as, as has been brought up on the show before, it's not so much that you don't distinguish between the words is that you make other words accidentally, right? And that's that's where we get. Okay. Um, many, those, many are really, those are really good videos, and I recommend <laughs> them. And uh, I can listen to that stuff all day long. I super enjoy it. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say about pronunciations and accents? Yeah, the video you sent was wild. I didn't watch. I couldn't bear to watch more than a couple minutes. But it is so strange, as you say, in this time. So John sent me a video of a what purports to be a documentary it's basically a bunch of av kids with a camera at a mall but it's still extremely entertaining at least because it's john's mall but like it is wild how that really uh it feels like the caption a moment in situ just all the kids smoking in a mall and but and all those voices the way everybody talks in the hair oh my god i'm sorry I'm, I'm probably ganking your bit here but i'd said to madeline this is such an insane video because it could not if this had been made I feel like a few months earlier or a few months later, it would have been two different 80s. If it had been a few months earlier, it would have looked like that late 70s, 80s. And if it had been a few months later, it would have looked like the mid 80s, 80s. Instead, it's like peculiarly what, 1983? Yeah. And I feel like the thing, like, the no, thing nobody that really, had hair like that a year after that. <laughs> that, that really dates these videos uh, is you You have to find something. Obviously, for, for most people, it would probably be things like fashion that changes, you know, on a year to year basis. And you really notice what's the difference in 83 and 84. Right. But for me, it's the video games that were in time out. Right. Because huh, video for games. For me, were, it was the it was the aesthetic. Oh, God, I'm not really very awake yet. For me, it was the aesthetic of like, oh, I remember this is before malls changed. And what well, malls changed many times. But. The chess king 
of the late 70s versus the early 80s versus the late 80s, they're very different. This is before they started making more like environmental, reaching out into the mall fronts. You know what I mean? Casual mm-hmm. Corner looks so different, three different ways. Dance Skins, Leotard Store look different, like three different ways. Which, so what would this be around? Like probably Joust? Well, I mean, the fact that so many people no, were still later, super into Pac-Man, right? Because this is during the, the run-up of the arcade era where like every year there'd be a new game that would come out that would make the old games look primitive. This is when, this is when things were getting really good. I mean, in the sense that like, there's all so many of my favorite video games, unsurprisingly, came out roughly within the same like two year period. But like to go from like think about the Atari games and how you went from like Red Baron and Lunar Lander uh, to things like um, like not not Zaxxon. What's the name one I always forget? Where you spin the thing? Galaga. Tempest. Tempest. Galaxian Tempest is the one where you go around in a big circle. No, Galaxian is a Williams thing. game, but I mean like yeah yeah, but I mean like we're, just with those the simple vector ones to mm-hmm. go from. Well, I should I guess I should start with Asteroids. What came first? Probably you got Asteroids, Red Baron, Lunar Lander. Oh, God, I love Lunar Lander. But they were so simple compared to what you got just like a very few years later. It's crazy. Yeah, and the and the timeout stores in the mall, which I, I, I don't know. Is this a national trend? Do you know what timeout is? We had Red Baron, and we had, as far as national chains, the no, one I mean, like mall the, was the Red store Baron. in the mall. Did you, have a, did you have a place in your mall called timeout? We did not. All right, so Nothing that must I'm be a local of. thing. But anyway, that's where the video games were. And the, the video game machines that were in malls always lagged behind the state of the art, but they lagged by a predictable amount. But the, well, what it meant was that every single year, this, there'd be new games in timeout. There wouldn't be probably the most recent games, but you would, like Pac-Man would look progressively older. Galaga would look older. Oh, Galaxium yeah, sure. would look older. Right, mm-hmm. and they would still be there, but then you'd start getting the newer titles until eventually you've got, you know, I feel like it, this all this ended around the time. Afterburner came out. <laughs> like, they might have Defender, cents. but not Stargate. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was fun. I was mostly just watching it for the accents and the fashion. Well, I'm sorry. Finish, finish the thing, though. What, what, what video games? You say you saw Pac-Man. What other ones did you remember seeing? Well, they asked people what their favorite video games were, and people were calling Pac-Man their favorites. And nobody in 1986 is calling Pac-Man their favorite video game. So you know this is not late 80s. You know it's got to right. be early 80s. And they're and they in the mall. And, but so the fact that they you know, didn't say Space Invaders, which would have been the huge one to say three years earlier. Right. And Pac-Man by that point was already three years old, but that's the whole point of like the place in the mall is not the cutting edge of the <laughs> arcade, but it's the place where everybody yeah, is. People and, already uh, moved on to baby Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was so exciting. Oh God, it's so exciting. Even the games that I didn't enjoy playing. I mean, I don't know. I moved around a lot, but like I, 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 I really, it meant a lot to me to get better at Galaga. I never got as good as I wanted to be at Stargate. And I was never like, you know, competitively good, but like I would buy a book with tips and stuff like that. But like Gorf, was that the one where it was like mm-hmm. five different games? That was really good. Uh, and oh God, like, but he, when you came across the, the games came along like Joust or like, um, you know, Cubert, it, it really felt like, you know, it was getting more creative, getting more fun. Oh God, video games are great. They were so expensive. I can't believe how much money if I look at like the difference in like inflation over time as against like the very small amount of money that I had at all, let alone to just spend on crap, I spent so much money on video games. One of the guys in the video says he spends $15 a week on video games, which was a lot in 1983. That's so, and this is before, this is when all games, uh, I, okay, let me ask you this, pop quiz, hot shot. Um, so the first game I remember costing a lot it wasn't just like a novelty thing or expensive because it was an amusement park or whatever. Like 
uh, was Star Wars, the sit-down Star Wars game. It was 50 cents, yeah. 50, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, some got to a dollar. But, like, what do you remember? Like, what, is there a famous example of the first really popular, like, big-name game that charged more than a quarter? I mean, it depends on the particular venue. Star Wars was probably the first, but I the one like I remember... It, would that be 85? Uh, I don't know when the, when the Vector Star Wars came out, but the, the one I remember the most is Afterburner because that really busted the thing open because Afterburner could be anywhere from 50 cents to a dollar depending on if it was the one that you sat in and it also moved. Mm. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. That does sound familiar. Afterburner. It was an arcade uh, like Tomcat fighting uh, fighter plane game. 87. Oh my goodness. Look at that. And it okay. varied from place to place. Like the, the movie theater one was a dollar, but Chuck E. Cheese was still at 50 cents for the same game. <laughs> uh, I look back now, you know, all these things where you look back and you feel like such a poop heel. I mean, like, you know, my mom worked so hard for everything that she got. And uh, it just, it drove her nuts that I would spend even a quarter on any video game. I mean, you know, that phrase you hear from a, you know, you're just putting money down the toilet or whatever. It really might as well. I might as well have <laughs> just stood over the toilet, like maybe with dimes. But like, just to hear a plank noise, like, is there another way you could hear a plank noise? Nope. Gus a quarter. <laughs> Drove her crazy. There was, there was, she was well represented in the, the mall video. At one point, they interviewed somebody who was just berating the other mall denizens for wasting their time on video games. Um, Gorf is an arcade game released in 1981 by Midway, whose name was advertised as an acronym. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> of course it As was. For Galactic Orbiting Robot Force. It is a fixed shooter with five distinct levels. This is the beauty part. This is like, it's like a, it's like a sampler platter. First of which is a Space Invaders. It's based on Space Invaders, another on Galaxian. The game makes heavy use of synthesized speech for the Gorfian robot, which teases the player. Oh God. Yes. What do you, what do you call it? Space Cadet. Teases the player powered by the Vortex speech clip. Oh my God. And he would say, he would say um, something like, do you want to try again? Space Cadet. <laughs> and there was a game. Was it the, oh, you know what it was the pinball game? It was Black Knight. I remember it goes, will you challenge the Black Knight again? <laughs> I used to love Black Knight. Joker Poker used to be my game. And then, uh, and then Black Knight. Oh my God. And then there was a, oh, was it Adam's Family that had all the multiple levels? Oh man, I love games. I hate games now. I think all games are terrible now, but no, they're not terrible. I just, I hate playing games of all kinds. Full stop. I hate games, but oh my God, video games were so fun. Get to hang with your friends on a Friday night. Our, our local, our local uh, was run by our perverted algebra teacher. Maybe you just need to be uh, challenged by the Black Knight. I mean, maybe it was the negging that you're, that, that was drawing you in. If, games if I don't end up spending $8,000 on a picture or on a statue of a hot saint, uh, maybe I should get a, a you know what? You'll be make my wife so happy. I would say she comes home from work, but she's already at work, which is our home. And there's, mm -hmm. a, there's a, she goes outside and says to the delivery, and maybe I could get it delivered by a guy dressed like the Black Knight. Here's your new pinball game. Ha ha ha, Space Cadet. She would love that. I don't know where we put it. You would, you would never get a pinball machine through the kill zone. That's a really good point. We'd have to probably get, we'd have to get a couple, uh, well, we don't want to say Black Knight anymore, but we would have to get some Knights of Color to carry it in, bring it up, get it hooked up, and we might have to move the beanbag chair, which somehow is now taking up approximately a third of I the mean, family room. You'd probably have to turn your garage into an arcade, and that's also where the beanbag chair could be. My wife's going to be so sorry you ever said that. Oh <laughs> my God. Maybe even just like a small, just like, I don't want main machines. I want the real deal. 
and yeah, I want no, real arcade cabinets. Like, real arcade, the, get like, but just get a few, get a few, and th- and they're only going to cost fifty cents, which is a pretty good deal considering inflation. You get you get one of those coins on a string. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. I implore you to make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Whatever it is you want to do, maybe you want to make an online store, a portfolio, a blog, you know, you can sell stuff, you can give stuff away, you know, you can pick whatever it is you want to do. That's the beauty of Squarespace. It does all of those things. You drag, you drop, you move some stuff around. It's an all-in-one platform, people. It's you do whatever you need to do. Nothing to install. No patches to worry about. No upgrades are ever needed. You do not have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. Now, they also do have their award-winning 24 by 7 uh, customer support if you need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And do remember that all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. They also look great uh, on every device or dingus, which is uh, terrific. I, 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 you know, I'm with Squarespace. I've been with Squarespace. It's where I uh, put my personal sites, and it's also where uh, I host the Roderick on the Line podcast. Always been there, always will be. Uh, they've been great to me, and I, I know they're going to be great to you. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. But you, my friend, the listener, can go start a trial with no credit card required. You just go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. When you decide to sign up, please do use our offer code diffs, D-I-F-F-S, and that will get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain, and it will show your support for reconcilable differences. Once again, you go to squarespace.com slash diffs, offer code diffs for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, seriously, our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. John, I think we have some follow-up that I could try to avoid, but um, I'm just going to suck it up. I understand you have <laughs> you have a toe update. Would you like to summarize the toe uh, situation today, or do you want me to do it? I know you are very upset by the toe stuff. Something something happened with John's toe where, like, I think, what did you do? You dropped a barbell on it. You were getting ripped. You hurt your toe bad. The, 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 you know what? Recount the toe. Oh, God. No, what am I, I saying? Mean, I, 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 I thought to let you... You had a toe re- injury. You eventually <laughs> were trying to say what to do about the toe. There was COVID. Oh, God, I hate this. There's COVID, so you can't just go to the toeman. Like, you you tried to, like, suck it up, and then eventually the, the, you did go to the doctor, and the doctor said either we can... What was the option? It was we can either trim this all the way back, we could cut it off permanently. You decided to stick it out. I think what not, we left... This is not oh. even the bullet points. You're doing a bad job. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought, okay, so there's there's this there's this agent. He represents uh, theatrical acts, okay, and uh, and I says, boy, I got, I got a hell of an act for you. Mm-hmm. And I says, well, tell me about it. What do they do? And he says, well, the, the father comes in, he drops a dumbbell on his toe, okay, mm-hmm. that sets off a Rube Goldberg machine, and it knocks over his daughter with with a, with a Gorf machine. You're, you're missing you're missing the most important part of the, about the dumbbell. He says that sounds like a hell of an act. What do you call it? Mm-hmm. He says the Space Invaders. Mm-hmm. Gorf. Uh, the, the important part about all right, I'll try to summarize. The important part about the toe thing is <sighs> that I dropped a weight on my toe when I was thirteen. Fast forward until I'm forty something. Well, you're, you're older than that now, right? Well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm forty something right now. No, you you look really good for your size. Mm-hmm, I do. Anyway, uh, the whole deal was my I had some problems with my toe. Uh, I uh, 
talked to the toe doctor over the computer because it was COVID times. So toe doctor's like, yeah, that toenail's got to come off. I'm like, ah, maybe I'll be able to nurse back to health. He said, good luck. Tried to nurse back to health. And just just so we're clear here, I do very clearly remember what we talked about last time because it has haunted my dreams. Yeah, yeah well, uh, this is a uh, twist ending to this one. All right, so, Ooh, you know, it's, it's anyway. Twist, it's twisting now no, instead no. of just going to the right? Um, and it, I tried to nurse back to health. It didn't work, so I had to actually go to the toe doctor. During COVID times, he took my toenail, just like he said he would. He claimed the toenail, and he built. He continued to build his giant castle made of toenails, like the Tooth Fairy has a giant castle made of teeth. That's why they call you the Long Island Golem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and there's a whole bunch of... We've talked about in the past how it's recovering, and all. we don't want to talk about that now, right? But anyway, that's the deal with that. That is my... Uh, left big toe we have been talking about here. That's the one that I dropped something on when I was a teenager. That's the one that eventually went bad and had to get taken off. That's the one that is growing back all weird, right? Yeah, and last time we talked, it was growing. You had a, a partial toenail growing, and it was going a little bit cattywampus. Yeah. Uh, status quo on that toe. Uh, it, <laughs> status toe? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, do, it's exactly like it was before, oh, right? Here's the deal. My other toe, my right big toe, the good toe, the beautiful, perfect toe that has never had anything dropped on it and never gave me a problem in my entire life and just looks like it could be in a toe modeling catalog. It's dead. Toe is dead. Toenail is dead. My right big toenail, absolutely dead, just like the other one was. Exactly the same situation. Has something happened with your DNA? How would that be possible? I think my toes are out, toenail, my big toenails are out of warranty. I think the warranty just expired on my big time. Oh, I see. You should have gotten that Toe Care Plus. I should have, because it's like <laughs> they wait, you know, as soon as the warranty's out, they both and go. Like, like, seriously, jokes aside, like you're telling me that a similar weird thing happened to a different appendage. It's the big toe on my other foot. It's well, gone it bad. It sounds and... like a mystery. We have to call in Starly Kine. How in the hell would that, it's got to be unrelated. Got to be a, let's say a quinky dink. I mean- I still don't have a good explanation of what happened to the other one. The, the toe doctor's just like, yeah, if there's any kind of trauma to your toe at any point in your life, chances are it's going to go bad eventually. I'm like, okay, mm. fine, whatever. You're the toe doctor. You were right about the toenail having to come off. I'll take your word for it. What's okay. the story on the other toe? Nothing bad ever happened to that toe. It looked perfect. It, it was perfect. It had never been injured. I'd never had a problem with it. It was a perfect toenail. You sound like Trump. I know. You're, and then he's, he's ruined so many things. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And so now the same thing's happening. And to clarify, what happens to it is basically like the skin around your toenail like gets irritated. And you're like, why is oh all the skin irritated? God. Do I have an infection or something? Right. No, you don't have an infection. What's happened is that your toenail is just checked out. And as far as your body's concerned, now there's this big hard thing poking into it and it gets irritated. Right. The, and the, the main symptom is, guess what? Your toenail is never going to grow again. So normally you're used to clipping your toenails as they get longer. That's not going to happen anymore because your toenail is not going to grow. And you're, that's one of the first things you're going to notice is like, I don't feel like I'll clip that toenail in a while. Then it will start irritating all the skin around it. And then it'll just, it'll follow the same path that my other one follows. Is it a thing that just happens with age for some people? I mean, well, you maybe. Know, I'm, no, I'm not saying you're old, but I'm just trying to say, like, is, it, is, it, is it something where like, you know, like say your ears and your nose keep growing or whatever, mm-hmm. or... I mean, like, what what is the explanation? You surely have Googled this. What is the I explanation? Because I, if, just like you don't like hearing about this in the podcast, I just you really it. don't want to Google anything related to this. Trust me. Like I did. Oh, the, don't worry. The, the I've, first I've time wanted around, to know, I've wanted to know through a very brief description what a micropenis looks like for the oh, last probably three years. Mm-hmm. But I 
so I think I know, and the more I think about it, the less I want to Google it because I think it looks like what I'm going to describe as a super nipple. I'm guessing it's mainly like if you ever met a lady with longer nipples, I bet it's like a nipple, but where your dong is, and I don't want to see that. I just want to know. I just want to know. I mean, is it just is it a chode? I mean, is it just like the height of a coin, but wide? But I refuse to look. I will never find out unless somebody rickrolls me. You can, Please don't. I mean, you probably have some friends and or acquaintances who will find one select picture and send it to you so you don't have to Google it. I don't want to see a photo, though. I, right. I just want somebody to say, yeah, Merlin, it's basically like a super nipple with balls. All right. Well, I can't help you on that one because I don't know, nor will I, I ever don't want, find I don't, out. I don't want to. I, well, okay. I do and I don't. I do and I don't. But I'm, wor- I'm not worried. I'm sure you'll be fine. But it just seems... Yeah, I mean, almost like, magically here, real that you would have such a similar trauma, usually trauma-based injury. It's almost like you've given you've given yourself your own stigmata. But see, that was the explanation given to me because I offered the information. Oh, by the way, this the reason this toenail looks janky even before I had a problem with it, the left one. And now I'm talking about is because I dropped a weight on it when I was a kid and it cracked and it's never been right. I offered that information, and then the toe doctor's like, "Oh, totally. Yeah, if you have any trauma, the toe's going to go bad." Right. What yeah. the toe doctor never said is, oh, yeah, by the time you get to your mid-40s, guess what? It's common for your toenails to start to go bad for some reason, right? He didn't say okay. that at any point. Okay. Right? So I don't know. Maybe this is a thing. Maybe it's just me. So another way to look at it, if we were trying to, like, Columbo this, another way to look at it is uh, there, there are people who at some point in their life have a toe that just goes bad. And it's just that in your case, a traumatic injury of your youth probably caused that to happen at a different time and in a different way. I mean, maybe. Like, uh, now I'm it's, it's my other like, It's kind of like the classic misdirection, as magic tricks go. Yeah, or it could just be sympathy for the right side of my body, having sympathy for the left. But, like, I'm, I'm eyeing my other toenails and saying, how are you guys doing? You guys I'm still wrong? Well, you know I'm wondering, is it going to be uh, your second toe on the left side that goes next, will they start alternating or mm-hmm. will, or, or do we go another direction? Does it just start to get sort of um, exponential, just geometric where like maybe, maybe, you know, you lose one this year, you know, you lose two next year and then it's like a Fibonacci uh, sequence or something. Yeah. This is like, this is like a super drawn out version of Jeff Goldblum in the fly. Like that's all I'm thinking about. Was he replicate himself? I never saw that movie. You never saw Jeff Goldblum in the fly. I love Gina Davis. Uh, you I mean, you, I don't you, know what your your ta- I don't know what your tolerance that for that kind of movie is, but it is kind I of. I remember a, him looking. In, I, I I probably have seen it. I do. I rem- he looks really gross at one point, right? He sure does. Mm-hmm. Oh really yeah, also was parodied point, on The yeah. Simpsons. I saw that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not thinking too far in advance here. Right now, I'm focused on the more near term issue, which is like, okay, I know how this is going to go because I saw it go this way on the other toe, but I have some choices to make, right? I I could. I, <laughs> it's a time to get your affairs in order. <laughs> I mean, so I have I have choices here. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I could at this point because I know how this is going to go at this point. That's why I waited until I knew to to mention this on the show. Um, there's no doubt in my mind this is what's happening with this toe because I saw it happen over the course of many months the other toe. So I'm very familiar mm-hmm. with this. Yep. If it was not COVID times, I could go into the toe doctor and say, "Guess what? Another one. Take this one too." Right. And then oh god, the whole... like this, like the like the women who get preemptive mastectomies. It's not preemptive. Like this thing's going bad. It's going you bad. It's I'm fully empty. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing I can do is wait because I don't want to go into an enclosed space in COVID times, and hope that uh, 
you know, the it's hope that there's something else growing under there that pushes this other one out. You know what I mean? Right. Which, which is the um, thing I didn't know before, because on the left one, I didn't know what was going on. And when he took out my left one, he's oh, look at that. There's some another toenails coming in underneath this. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. All right. So for all I yeah, know, sometimes you got to help help a kid like with like a. Well, I, I was a weird case because I had a double crown. I had a tooth, I had a, a, an extra tooth that grew behind my front teeth. Yeah, the but shark like teeth. Like with yeah. little kids, you got to get out, you got to push out that little tooth, you let, let, let the big tooth in. The body usually takes care of that, but I think sometimes it requires intervention. Maybe, maybe there is a toe of health uh, somewhere under the surface that's trying to get out. You know, the, 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 the darling buds of May or whatever wants to get out, spring roots, right? And you just got to get out of the way and let the toe go. To the well, line. Yeah, but it's like I would li- what I would like to happen is the bad one to fall off and to be replaced by a new one with no medical intervention. Wouldn't that be nice? Right? It would. It would be nice, especially if it happened really fast, like in like an hour or so. Right. But I'm I'm willing to wait this out for months for this to happen to avoid co- the extremely trends? painful and invasive surgery yep. that happens yep, yep, while yep, you're yep. awake. Uh that I know I know what that's like because I had it done on the other one. I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. So Right now, I'm in the mode where I'm, it's like me versus the toe, and I'm just going to try to wait this sucker out. I'm saying, please fall off my body. The other one, let me tell you, was not about to fall out. Like I was, The other one, I made mm. the mistake of trimming it down as it got deader and deader mm. until, there was, until there was very little left. I was thinking but, that was your, like your personal bonsai? It, right? Well, I mean, you got, sometimes you got to trim to grow. You know what I'm saying? I, but no, but I wanted, I wanted to trim it to, to encourage it to fall off. But it was the, the part that was stubbornly attached was not coming off on its own and needed to be. Oh, more's the pity. The okay. Um, blah, 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 blah. But like the only talk, good, the only good thing I could say about this one is that I am not photographing the months long experience because okay. I already have okay. that collection of photos and it's the same yeah. thing only we're on also a different grateful foot. that you have that somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're grateful. It's like that this sort of Damocles. <laughs> you could do a time lapse of it. It would be pretty cool. Sure could. Your wife would really enjoy that. You can make her an uh, an, uh, an animated GIF. Uh, we're glad that the the uh, that Apple doesn't understand how photos work in families, and therefore the family photo library has to be on one parent's Apple ID, and the family photo That's library hers. is on my wife's Apple ID. So mm-hmm. she does not have any of my toe pictures unless she looks at my phone. How do you take a toe photo in obscurity and have it not go into the mix? Because it's how if I took toe photos on her phone, it would go into her photo stream and into her photo oh. library, which is the family library. But I take them on my phone, and so then it goes you to only, my photo stream. And my so the, to reverse the question, I guess, then how do you make sure that your photos you want to be in the library get in her library? I plug in my phone to the computer with a USB to Lightning cable, and then I oh. import selected photos from my phone to the photo library. And it's a super pain in the butt. And just recently, mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point where photos just absolutely breaks and refuses to let me do it. So I have to use image capture to download them to a folder and then oh, import God. them. Oh God! Oh, this is this is this is an area that is very frustrating to me. You know, the funny part is, I would say within twenty years, maybe sooner, you're going to get an app like Clubhouse, and it'll get all your toe photos automatically, and those of your friends. Mm-hmm. I was on. I've actually used Clubhouse now. Besides just talking about it, I've used it several times. How did you? How did you do it with all your? I, I'm making. Fun, I'm. I'm having fun about a bit that you do on another show, which I thought was actually a really good conversation. Where you guys baited, argued about, uh, whined like old hens about uh, how Clubhouse grabs everybody's contacts. Gross. Um, and you were saying, uh, in disagreement with your other two co-hosts, they're worried most about the contacts getting sucked down by Clubhouse, and you're saying that like. And I, I see both sides of this. You were saying, uh, you could state it yourself, but I think what you said was that, you know, when you share a photo, it's a similar kind of thing. Nobody in that photo gave permission for you to share that with anybody. 
I thought that was an interesting discussion. My, my main point was that people are worried about contacts just because they're tractable with current technology because there's a small volume of data and it's just mostly just text, right? Mm-hmm. But photos, the only thing protecting us from photos being just as bad as contacts is the fact that they're bigger, you know, like there's just more data, right? And that is going to fall by the wayside pretty soon because technology continues to advance and your photos just like your contacts are actually mm-hmm. a treasure trove of information. No, I'm not trying to make it sound stupid. I, I thought I thought it was a good conversation. And I, I agree with both of you. It's all terrible. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, my main point was that like people don't worry about photos because it doesn't seem like it's as harmful as contact info. But I think that is going to end pretty soon. And photos are going to be almost as bad as contacts. Worse in some ways, better in others. You know, I <laughs> this this is a thought that just occurred to me. But I um, there's a thing. I've done, I suspect we've all done at one time or another, especially if we're white um, and of any means at all. And that's the whole like, well, if you didn't do anything wrong, what are you worried about? Right. Which there's just so many levels of wrong to that. Because first of all, well, in America, like if you get arrested, the way it's supposed to work, as I understand it, is if you're arrested, like you have not committed a crime. (laughs) You've been, uh, you know, if you haven't been, Americans have so little subtlety about understanding you know, um, things like getting stopped by a cop, arrest, uh, booking, arraignment, you know, court date, sentencing, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's just the, the, that is such a, that's so lost on people. It's like, if you got arrested, you're a criminal. And like, I, I really, I really do hate that. So on the first level, when people say, well, if you didn't do anything wrong, what are you worried about? Well, I, it's not whether I did anything wrong. It's whether an American did anything wrong. <laughs> like nobody should get Nobody should have to be treated the way a lot of people get treated. And if we have a sliding scale of when it's okay for people to have rights, I completely understand. Like I just watched the uh, John Demianyuk uh, documentary on Netflix, and I can understand why people are mad at the at the Jewish guy for defending defending him in court. Like I understand. Like if you're if your family died in the Holocaust, I can understand why you'd be mad about a fellow. I, I'm not saying I agree, but I, I'm saying I understand. Right. And I, as I explained to my kid when I grew up. Nobody I knew, I knew there was one person in my family that drew, drove a car that was not made in America. You know, those kinds of things that, that last for a long time. Anyway, well, how I'm trying to say is there's something really, I think we need to consider just dropping, um, which, which is this whole, like, I didn't do anything wrong, so I'm not worried. Like, it's okay if NSA, you know, wheezes my juice because I'm not doing anything wrong. It's only people who are terrorists and criminals that should worry about that. And I, I realize on the one hand, that's an incredibly obvious, uh, in a liberal society, like we shouldn't have to say that out loud. But uh, um, I mean, in addition to like making life really difficult for people who are not as privileged as I am, uh, that's really gross. But also let's look at the unintended cons- consequences of what you're describing. If I understand what you're describing, and I may not, it's that I mean, there was a time where, like John Mulaney says, you could get away with a crime. You could get away with any crime as long as you weren't there when the police arrived. <laughs> Look, there's blood on the ground. Ugh, gross. You know, <laughs> it's the Suggins gang shooting their machine guns. And now today, like, think about all the things that they can do to triangulate to get different kinds of information. This ridiculous coverage today of Tiger Woods' automobile accident. They're talking about, like, just the standard thing they do, which is they're going to go through his cell phone records to see whether he was on the phone when he when that car crash happened, they're going to look at the not telemetry, but whatever the data is that's in his fancy car's computer. There's all these kinds of things that are just standard now, and like when people so uh, the reason I'm I'm the reason I'm ranting on about this is when people say stuff like all of my photos are clean, 
Like, I don't care who gets my photos. Well, that's really not so different from the person who says, I have nothing to worry. I'm not a criminal. Take all my contacts. Dude, I did not get a vote in that. You know, I, I've done that. I've gone into apps, but like, if, it had, if it's been a while since you set up a new device, it's going to blow your mind how many things want to know so many things about you. And people just click through to be done, you know, especially if, especially if they just did an update to Big Sur or to, you know, 14.5 or whatever. There's just going to be going, yes, 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 fine, 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 fine. I have nothing to worry about. I didn't do anything wrong. Just take all of my information. I just feel like there's this whole constellation of really complicated and very dark issues that assume, assume a, lev a level of technical sophistication from 20 years ago Instead, let instead of let alone thinking about where it'll be twenty years from now, uh, just like where we are right now, like shouldn't we all shouldn't we all be unapologetically persnickety about this stuff, even if it's not, even if it doesn't get us the goal we want? Shouldn't we latch the screen door? I mean, it has so many parallels with the COVID thing, even though it's not related to a pandemic. I'm not, I'm not worried about getting sick. In that, uh, if it's invisible and the consequences aren't immediate, uh, it might as well not exist. Right. And so yeah. that's just, just human nature. Right. So all this information leakage, you don't see the information leakage and you don't experience the consequences immediately. Therefore, not an issue. Right. And that's why I always like it when someone actually leverages the information that is readily available to make something that in intentionally is going to scare people. Mm -hmm. Say like, like when the they, capital you know, parlor data. Uh, yeah, that's although I think most people aren't scared by that, but like, good, because those were the bad people, right? So it's okay. I mean, it's the reverse of what you were saying. I don't have anything to worry about because I didn't storm the Capitol and these people deserve to be tracked, right? right. But it, it's it's more like the, the ones where they do, it's like usually a clickbaity article. It's like, you didn't know this, but Google knows where you work and where you live based on location data. And, and it's a shocking <laughs> Your headline. Your bank remembers when you've been to the site before. Right. And, and it's... But the thing is, those articles, as clickbaity and sensationalist as they are, are important to let people know, yeah, this is no duh. This happens all the time. Technical people understand this, but most people don't. And I, it's good to occasionally say, hey, guess what? Uh, if anyone had access to, if you give an app access to your photo library, they know where you live. They know where you work. They know where your friends live. They know what your friends look like. They know who you met and when. Because they've got faces, they've got dates, and they've got GPS timestamps, and they can reconstruct your whole life. Well, you know, they did that debunked thing of like most accidents happen within, you know, a mile of home. Well, yeah, they happen within a mile of home because that's where you live. Like that's where you spend the most mm -hmm. time. Ergo, other things being equal, that's going to raise the opportunities that that's the circle in which that happens. But, you know, um, I, I, I like the idea. I, I'm still not crazy about how a lot of this stuff works, but I like the idea that you can turn off precise positioning. I wish, wish positioning were truly precise if i wanted my whole world to be less frustrating we might talk about that later <laughs> but like if you were to like take a random sampling of let's say let's say you get 150 photos especially if you're a parent you get 150 photos randomly that have been taken within the last n years and you you throw them up in the air and they magically land in a pattern not a map but just a pattern like, I'll bet you dimes to donuts, I could get a pretty good idea where your house is on what came out of that. Do you know what I mean? And where you live and who you and what school your kids go to and where the, you, the, where the relatives that you visit live. Like, when do you think you take pictures in these important events? Like it is. Yeah, if you've got a baby, there's going to be a lot of photos at your house. I have thousands of photos in the same like like 40 by 40 right. area. And that's before anyone even looks at the photos. Like, I think the, the mindset yes. for photos is still, despite the fact that, you know, there are fewer and right. fewer people who are alive when photos were like this, it's still the idea that, oh, it's just a picture. It's just well, like it's a like, printed. It's like they 
say we're like, well, they say, oh, don't worry, we're not looking at your actual messages. All we're doing is capturing metadata. Mm -hmm. Well, the metadata, as Marshall McLuhan might not have said, you know, metadata is the message. There's so much to like, the, the, remember the call stuff with like, mm -hmm. um, with Trump and, uh, and was it Cohen? We're like, there's a, there's a lot to be said about, if you see a bunch of calls to a local number in the middle of the night over time, remember back in the days when people would like really pour over their phone bill, you know, like there's a chance somebody's, somebody's having an affair. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, and that was like, you know, so that's metadata, but then looking at the actual data, it's like, well, pictures, what is a human going to go through them all and look at the pictures? Well, no. And now we have computers that can do that and they can do pretty amazing things with photos, especially if you live somewhere where a lot of people frequent that is a tourist destination, you could have your entire life being recorded and you don't even know it because you might not even own a phone or a camera, but tons of other people are taking pictures of themselves in Times Square and you keep walking by Times Square and yeah, the, the amount of what well, my point is the amount of information that you can reconstruct from data that people are collecting is just vast. And every time there is an application that demonstrates that to the public, I hope that it makes the mm -hmm. public think that we should have better laws surrounding privacy of information than we do now. Because right now it's like whatever companies can trick you into giving them, it's a free for all. Right. Once you sign the line that is dotted. You, they're they're good to go, um, uh, and then obviously a, a parallel or a uh, corollary to that is improving our behavior. There was that thing you'll remember the name of this because I don't, but somebody was able to combine. I think it was Twitter, your Twitter feed, back when lots of people use location on their Twitters, combining Twitter and Flickr, and they were basically I think it was called something like "Please Rob Me" or something like that, and it was a way to like basically generate. Uh, generate this profile for a person of like when you are and are not at home and argue even like what your home looks like <laughs> with these. And, and again, and, and maybe even the things that you own that are in that home. So if you want this particular model of stereo, I can find you a picture of that and I can tell you where the person lives and I can tell you when they're not home and you can go get it. Oh, hundred percent. I started for, again, for reasons that are, have really, it did, it did not super occur to me until this very week because I'm, I've had reason to mess around with uh, a BLE scanner um and uh, and I've been, ugh, it's the whole thing but i've been playing with ibeacons but also looking to looking at ble things and i'm like wait a minute wait a minute like like i i know that there's wi-fi access points under my menu that aren't mine i'm used to that and some people do call it you know but like i pick up somebody's fancy lg tv shows up and I, I'm seeing all of my Bluetooth low energy things. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's also a bunch of other people's Bluetooth low energy things. And like, what, it, what do you name those things? Well, you ever do the thing where you open your laptop, especially back in the day at a hotel, <clears throat> and you see John's MacBook Pro, or you see all the different things with people's names on it. It's like, yeah, okay, whatever. There's a lot of Johns in the world. There's a lot of MacBooks in the world. But like, there's all sorts of ways that you could sort of cannily combine that sort of data and it's just mainly that uh, in the past, I guess, like you said, you know, you, like you'd said about, I didn't understand all the terminology, but it's my understanding in, in older Unix world, passwords were less of a thing. And, you know, you said we could, a public writable TTY? TTY, right. So TTY is the, it, this is a whole skeuomorphic thing of, a, it's like teletypes. Do you remember what those were? It's like a little mm -hmm. printer that when yeah. you, you would type something, instead of having a screen, you would have a little printer that would print out the, the output of your program, and then you get to type again, right? And mm -hmm. so TTYs are virtual TTYs, which is a computer version of that thing. It's basically just saying a character device that you can put characters into by typing and it sends characters back out and it shows them on a screen. Um, and the reason 
that is relevant to the sort of culture of permission permissiveness is your TTY, like I said, you can think of it as like a, a it's a character device. It's a tube where characters come out one side, go in the other side. Like, so when you type, they go in. Is it sort of like a, you're putting something on somebody else's jumbotron sort of? Right. Well, because so the the input side of it is your keyboard and the output side of it is your screen. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is a device in Unix that's sitting there. You know, it's in, it's in the, the file system as in the device file system slash dev slash TTY slash one, two, three. If it's world writable, that means, OK, so any characters that come out of that thing go on your screen. But anybody mm -hmm. can put characters into that thing. That basically means that anybody can put characters onto your screen. So mm -hmm. you'd be using your computer and a giant ASCII picture of a snail would appear on your screen. And you didn't put that there. Some malicious right. person two rows over did. Worse, there are actual character sequences that have meaning to the terminal that you're on. The VT100 codes, you can make bold text and colored text and stuff. But there's also a code that will disconnect yeah, you. Yeah, it's all, that, all those crazy looking ones on the far right end of the selector where it's like just a bunch of lines and dots and stuff like that. Well, they're control characters. Because they're meaningful. They're, 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 they're control character or, sequences, right? But like end to, of line or uh, like all those no, kinds of things, right? It's like control left square bracket for the uh, meta character and then a, a real left square bracket, then a one, then an M, then a semicolon for bold text. It's complicated. But anyway, the point is there is one of those characters that has a meaning to the, the terminal, which means disconnect me. And so if you send <laughs> no, that character yeah. to somebody's yeah. TTY and they're sitting in front of the computer and they're writing their paper and all of a sudden, bloop, where'd their paper yeah. go? They're oh, logged boy. off and they didn't save. Ugh. What was the other one I was thinking of? Um, having to, anyway, that, that was, that's kind of wild. Like to me, like I just thinking about like what you can learn, like, you know, when you hear the stories about stuff, like, you know, be careful with your car keys. Cause there's people walking around with mm -hmm. this universal scanner thing, but like it hadn't really occurred to me till recently, like till, till this week thinking about Bluetooth stuff. But I guess the other thing it could be ha having to do with Wi-Fi. Did you see the thing about swipe cards this week? What kind of what kind of swipe cards? Uh, you can let me let me we can Google it fast. But I, like one of the biggest makers of swipe cards, um, you know, of like you know hotel mm -hmm. type cards or you know to enter the building. Um, I can't find it just this second. But basically, if I read this correctly. It is uh, the, the a, a primary like big company that sells these things. Um, they also offer, you know, for like housekeeping or the police or whatever, also offer a skeleton key. And if I read it correctly, it's the same skeleton key on every system. Yeah, Cable Sasser just did a tweet about that. The the building, I guess maybe it's a building he lives in or works near. Um, you can buy them on Amazon for $17. Right. So you've got the universal. The good thing about this, this is like a, I think it's like an office building, you know, where you can't get in the door unless you have a little buzzy in card thingy, right? Like the exterior door. Um, but of course, it's got a little box with a key in it. And it's the same deal. It's a, it's the same key everywhere. And you can buy it on Amazon. So you, for 13 bucks, you get the master key. And when you open that little box, it's just a bunch of wires and everything in there. And you're like, oh, I got to be an elite hacker to be able to get into this. But no, it turns out if you just put anything metal across these two little terminals, it's the like, you know, the fireman short to let you in. And so you just take a an, any that key you just open, like the, the, the actual master Whoa. key that you just open. You just take the edge of that key and press against these two little metal things. The door opens. <laughs> oh, Lord, that is mental. I mean, at mm. least those there is there is a little bit of uh, security through obscurity. And uh, there are laws that say, hey, breaking and entering is against the law. But right now, there's no law that says you can't ask someone to give you access to all of their contacts and all of their photos. And it's like, well, they said yes, there's no mm. law against it. So now I have all their contacts and all their photos. 
and oh, wow. boy, what I'm going to do with them. And the thing is, people think what they're going to do with them is like someone from Law and Order is going to like pour over them and find their secret stuff. No, it gets ground up by a machine. Like you're in just this giant stew of data and it gets mm -hmm. ground up by a machine. And what eventually comes out of it is some scary story, interactive story on nytimes.com five years from now that shows you your entire life and where you've been. And Is, is the graphic somebody in a hoodie staying in front of a, sitting in front of a keyboard with green characters on it? Yeah. I mean, but like I said, I, I think those stories are good in that they scare people into realizing how much data they're actually revealing. And even though there is the, that thing you talked about is absolutely real, but it's like, well, if I didn't do anything wrong, I don't have anything to worry about. People are creeped out by it. Uh, and yeah, and, yeah, I know, wish I wish they were I wish they were more creeped out by it. It's just that like, was it Jefferson who supposedly said probably Mark Twain or Winston Churchill that, you know, if you give up. Uh, what was it? You give up security. Those who will give up, give up uh, some freedom. liberty for a little bit of security deserve neither. Deserve neither. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's just, it's. I got a feeling a lot of that stuff's going to change, probably in ways we can't anticipate in the next few years. You know, I mean, you know, say what you will. I feel like the BLM stuff, in some ways, has made made even like dinglings like like our people a little bit more open minded about going. Wow, some people get treated really badly in this country, huh? Never knew that. I guess I should have seen To Kill a Mockingbird, but but it's, it's I don't know, it's wild to think about. Um, yeah, Path. Path, they were really in front of the curve. They were, they were ahead of the curve in terms of uh, uh, gobbling up your contacts, yum. But also that guy who had two phones. And now I got two watches. So he had the, I think it's the same guy. Who, did he have the two collars? Two no, that was looped. L-O-O-P. Looped. Oh, is it looped? Is he the guy with two phones? Two collars. Now the path guy had the two phones. The two oh God! Yes, collars. the guy with two. The guy who was at the Apple thing, and he had two. He's wearing. Uh, he was layering. He's doing a Steve Bannon mm -hmm. polo shirt layer. Yeah, he had at least two polo shirts on. With at least one of them was collars. popped, right? They were both popped. He's a double popper. Mm -hmm. Might have been three. <laughs> it's hard to tell. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by ExpressVPN. You can learn more about ExpressVPN right now by visiting expressvpn.com slash diffs. Maybe you don't know this, but by default, Netflix hides thousands of shows and movies based on your location. You might be aware that Netflix has recently increased their prices again. And if you want to feel like you're getting your money's worth with your Netflix subscription, you can start using ExpressVPN. So you might not know that what's on Netflix in your country is completely different from what someone in, say, the UK or Japan gets on theirs. And using ExpressVPN, you can control which country you would like Netflix to think that you're in. ExpressVPN has over 90 countries to choose from, so each time you uh, run out of stuff to watch, you can just switch to another country to unlock new shows. And the best part is, it's not just for Netflix. You can use ExpressVPN to unlock shows on other streaming services, too. You can use it to watch BBC iPlayer. Uh, it's free, but it's only available in the UK. ExpressVPN is also super fast and works on your phone laptop, even smart TVs, so you can watch your shows on the big screen with zero buffering. Pretty cool. So uh, you can make the smart choice to stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. And don't forget to use that link and you're going to get an extra three months for free. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash diffs. Diffs. You go there and you're going to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. All right. Um, this is a, um, hey, by the way, everybody, um, you can help support our show by going to some URL. Um, <laughs> I think it's really.fm slash RD, but just, just keep hitting on keys until we get money. 
uh, and you get a, an ad-free uh, version of the show every other week because that's how often we release. Pardon my saying. And uh, also once a month, uh, every other episode, uh, should have called in during the pet care episode. By the way, I love hearing my name on your show. Keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you um, you get uh, you get some uh, special bonus content, or as uh, John likes to call it, a challenge. What uh, we have here on the show. Um, this is a this is a, a non challenge week, right? This is a normal normal week. No extra content here. But we I, the last one I made a rare promotional tweet about it. The last episode was an extra special episode, and we had the members only after show where we talked about. Uh, the drawing that I got done of my character from Destiny. For those of you who can understand was... what John said, he said drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I thought that it was doesn't a fun... actually have three syllables, but that's okay. Yeah, and, and I thought that was a fun. After I show. ended up enjoying that more than I could have anticipated. I'm not trying to be snarky about it. Um, boy, that woman is talented. And when you told me that they're using uh, crayon pencils, or as you say, crayon, crayon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the person that responded. So we were, I think she, you she, mean colored. Yeah, Come she's on, colored, John. colored pencils. Uh, <laughs> as you would say, we don't use that term anymore. Yes, but someone from Canada told us that in Canada, they don't call them colored pencils. They call them pencil crayons or something. It was, it was pan and crencil. The great crayons. British comedy double act. Although now we have to have a whole Payon new Eric Singer vi- video about how to pronounce the word crayon. Um, My wife. Uh, she's a crayon. She she's a what? Trust me, nuts. She says crayon. Crayon or crayon? You can't hear the difference. No, she I says wa- Korean. When she wants to talk about pencils, she says Korean. That's no, totally no. God, what is wrong with Go you? Ahead. Go no, ahead. like like the first syllable of the ocean spray juice. <laughs> sure, say the whole word again for me. I say crayon. Right, so do I. She says crayon. So she sort of smushes it together. She says one syllable C-R-A-N. Yeah, that's, there are a bunch of different ways to do that word. And even though I say crayon as my default, I think I say a couple other ones occasionally too, like if the other person is saying that way. I used my could this morning. It, it slips in once a week. Mm. Yeah, you're very suggestible. He... You're suggestible. You do that. Mm-hmm. What, what was my, uh, what was the other one though? Oh, 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 she's, <laughs> I bet, now this sounds like one you would know. My, my, my wife who is a heathen uh-huh. uh, in referring to in referring to the usually Christmas time uh, miniaturized diorama scene featuring the birth of Christ. The crash. Oh my God, you're killing me. Uh-huh. Yes, I call it a manger. She calls it a crash. Is that a New England thing? Because first of all, as I say, she doesn't believe in anything. She, so, but what's, so crash, is crash so, I never heard that until I met her. You say a manger. I you don't think- say away in a crash. I think I only heard that maybe in high school. I don't think it's a thing we said locally, but I, I was aware that other people called it that by the time I was in high school. Uh, nativity scene is what we would call a nativity. Or a nativity oh, yes. Scene. I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry. Manger is the, is the, uh, is the, the building. The, yes. Yeah. You're actually right. Yeah, nativity. Yeah. And the little, mm-hmm. the little, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not a term that I use, but you're wife's from Rhode Island, right? Mm-hmm. They are super messed up, even in by New England standards in terms of all the weird words and accents and phrases they have there. It's just a we- I don't understand how it. It's just it is the nexus of a lot of weirdness. I, there's a bunch that I thought was just because my mother in law is colorful, and she was uh, loved her so much. My mother in law is extremely col- colorful. Now I have to marry her. Anyway, uh, my mother in law was very colorful, but she was colorful just mostly in the context of being from Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Like there's all kinds of words. Like she would call Bloody Mary a Bloody Mary a bloody. 
or she would call breakfast brekkie, or she mm-hmm. would call. And then the one was Quahog's stuffed Quahog um, clams. She would call stuffies. And I thought, oh, that's so cute. It's like the way she says brekkie or appy. Mm-hmm. No, they call them stuffies there. Grown people call a food stuffy. So weird. Yeah, they have a they have a lot of. Uh, I learned this when I went to school in Boston that Rhode Island has its own tiny weird subset of it's words almost and phrases. like it's almost like New Orleans in the sense of it's a crazy combination of hot blooded people. There's so many different kinds of hot blooded people in. You know what I'm plus, saying? Plus all the rich people on the coast. Like you got to mix throw them. In uh, the I don't count them, but I mean, like, there's a lot of Italian people, a lot of Portuguese people. Like the Portuguese influence there is huge. People are. There's a lot going on in Rhode Island. That that should be there instead. They call it Big Roadie. There's a lot going on here. That's what, what is their state it. motto? Uh, let's we'll see. The looks like yes, a tourist we're a state, Rhode Island. Uh, no, no way. I could do this. Uh, ocean, not Ocean State. That's Maryland. Uh, um, I don't even have a joke. I don't remember. I don't know. I'm not gonna look it up. Their state motto is terrible. Semper, Semper Fi. If this, if if Wikipedia is to be delete, believed, their state motto yeah. is a single word. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Um, uh, faith. Close. Let's see. Trust. <laughs> Keep going. It's a positive word. Okay. Um, one word. Uh, it wouldn't be love. That's a little word we don't use anymore. Um, a one word. It's oh, is it? Is it not? Not faith. Is it not God? It's uh. Damn it. Uh, yeah. What? Hope. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Hope is the thing with feathers. It's also, I think, where Bill Clinton's from. Maybe they're all one word. Maybe I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking of like live free and die in New Hampshire, right? I looked up the New York one. New York one is Excelsior, which is very New York. <laughs> I'm walking here. <laughs> yeah. The Empire uh, State. Uh, Excelsior. Yeah. Empire State. Empire State of mind, they say. The hmm. Empire State. The Empire State, not an Empire not, State. Uh, it, might, it might just be singular Empire It's not State. just a river in Egypt. But anyway, I was thinking of like, you know, live for your die, right? It got, mm-hmm. a lot of, got a lot of good press. It's a very fancy state motto. And I, w- I didn't expect Rhode Island to just be hope. Okay. This is really boring, but for some reason I'm interested in this. You think of like, I mean, it's easy enough to go like, oh, you know, there's a state bird, there's a state flower, there's a state thing. Is there one and only one motto or is there like, there's also like an appellation. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But yeah. there is... Nicknames. So you've got you, you, the Sunshine State. Mm-hmm. It says uh, that on Wikipedia. The, they lone, calls them the Lone Star State. That's not, that doesn't count as a motto, right? No, what do so, you call that? So New Hampshire that has nicknames. The nicknames Granite are... Granite State. Yep. And the White Mountain <sighs> State. Yes. And the motto is Live Free or Die. Live Free or Die. Yep. And apparently there's flag. also an anthem that nobody knows these anthems, right? Oh, let's see. <laughs> um... <laughs> so nick nickname is the empire state for new york anthem is i love new york and eh, i guess i feel like it should be uh new york state of mind i love new york wait what song is that what the what, what do you know what rhode island's nickname is little roadie yeah and yeah. also the ocean state i thought that was maryland What's Maryland? Well, it might also be Maryland. I mean, I don't think there's any uh, sort of uh, uniqueness constraint on these things. But if, claiming the Name, ocean state is, uh, is a bit space, rich. Monospace pollution, yeah. Like, I, there are many other states that have far more I love you, New York. The what the hell is that? You don't know? Is that called? I, 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 love, I, know, I, love, I love New York? Yeah, it was. A, I'm assuming they mean the anthem from the commercial campaign that ran in the 70s that everyone who lives in New York knows. Uh, oh, God, gross. 
Now, I Love Paris, that's a beautiful song. I love Paris in the springtime. Love, he loves Paris when it sizzles. Uh-huh. Um, other songs and names, what was I thinking of? Oh, man. You know, you're being super mean to me this episode, but I still want to share a vulnerable, lovely anecdote uh-huh. with you. So every morning, um, uh, Madeline or I go with Emma to the cafe down the street. And we usually get a hot chocolate and a bagel or similar. Yeah. So this morning, um, she woke up and uh, she's kind of like moseying around, like, you know, like she didn't want to ask, like she was going to, I feel like I feel put upon to do something with her. I was like, you want to go to the cafe? Let's go to the cafe. She's like, yes, let's get dressed. We're going to the cafe. And before we left, I, I recently added some more HomePods mini to the house. And I wanted to, to my, you know, my demos suck, but I wanted to just play something to, I said, you pick the song. And I said, it's got to be something that I like. And she said, okay, something by Billy Joel. And so, of course, I went with probably my favorite Billy Joel song, Big Shot. And then she said, can I pick the next one? And I said, of course. And she said, I want to hear Zanzibar. And I was like, Zanzibar? I'm not sure. And then she played it. And I've I've heard that song probably twice in my entire life. And I actually kind of fell against the wall with with, with just, you know, the complicated emotions of being a middle-aged dad. And I was like, it's so strange to me that I'm a 50, I, I am at this point, as I sit here leaning against the wall, a 54-year-old man with a 13-year-old daughter who's requesting deep cuts from 52nd Street. And I was like, yes, he's got a, what has he got? He's got a, he's got a tab at Zanzibar or whatever. He's got a bill at Zanzibar. It's like, yeah, like, yes, the song is so good. You have such good taste. That's kind of a, that's kind of a cool, cool, uh, cool pick, you gotta admit. I mean, if you're not gonna be requesting those songs, then who is? I feel like this is both of your job to be requesting these songs. Well, I mean, she actually has like pretty as for a kid, she does have, I think, good taste in music. Like even the stuff like or even or especially the stuff of hers I'm not familiar with. Like she she loves this guy, Ricky Montgomery. And his stuff is terrific. She got his for for her new record player, she got his LP. Um, and oh God, you know what's wild is pulling all the old seven inches and LPs of local Tallahassee bands out of the garage. And like, she's, she's, she was really impressed that my band had seven inches, like 45s. And it, but it's really fun. I mean, I'm not trying to be all Casey's dad here. And by the way, Casey's dad has got it going on. Mm-hmm. But, um, but like, it is really fun to just take this piece of vinyl that has not been played since at least probably 1998. And like, like it still plays, it's scritchy scratchy, but there were a couple where she like actually kind of liked the song. It was really fun. What is it from from the racks and stacks to the best on wax? I don't know the first part of that because I don't know what racks and stacks are. Is that like a radio station? Yeah, it was the tag the tagline that they yeah. would say in movies about the fifties when the DJ is announcing whatever. Anyway, the yeah, best on best yeah, on yeah. wax. You get all those hits on the wax cylinders from your youth. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They're they're very they're very waxy, and I don't mean Andy. Um. So that was fun. Anyway, Zanzibar, very good. And that's the one we're trying to get to second base. Not sure if she's waving him in. Was that Zanzibar? I was going from room to room, trying to figure out what my phone kept dropping out. It's very frustrating. This episode of Reconcilable Differences, brought to you in part by Delete Me. You can learn more about Delete Me right now by visiting joindeleteme.com slash Diffs. And Delete Me has an interesting question. They want to know, have you ever Googled yourself? It can be pretty wild to see what private information is available for others to see. There's an entire world of shady companies out there that collect and sell your personal information. Boo. They're called data brokers, and they know your phone number, home address, 
your political affiliations, and even maybe your dating preferences. An average data broker can possess about 1,500 data points about each person. It's the kind of data that can be used for cyberstalking, doxing, or identity theft. Ooh, double boo. The good news is that you can take one simple step to remove yourself from the majority of these data brokers. You can use Delete Me. Think of Delete Me as an anti-data broker. It's kind of cool. They've removed millions and millions of records from data brokers for the last 12 years, and they continue to fight for the user's right to privacy. Uh, you know, that's, I know it's out there and I, I don't like to think about it, but I'm going to have to go uh, get myself deleted. You know, I, I feel like I'm already kind of canceled, you know, but, but maybe I can get deleted too. You never know. If you want your data uh, to stay yours, you go to joindeleteme.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S, and use our offer code diffs for a 30% discount. That's pretty cool. Once again, that's joindeleteme.com, just like it sounds, slash diffs. Offer code DIFFS for a 30% discount. Our thanks to Delete Me for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. It's funny how a couple of things are coming together right now because everything seems related. One is one has to do with photography and videography, and the other has to do with some tech stuff. The tech stuff one, just real quick, is like I'm I'm doing a lot of stuff increasingly with the Synology to do home automation stuff. And I'm just, it's, so the phenomenon that I want to talk about, and it's like, with regard to trying to solve a certain kind of problem, which is I want to have a, one of the, one of the various open source style services for doing more with HomeKit. So it all started out with, I want to do, like, I've tried to do hoobs and I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Uh, everything I've done pretty much on the Synology the whole time has been like, just basic, like, click the, pick, click the package button, let it rip. But like, it's been an interesting week or two for me trying to, and I don't want to spoil it, but like starting with, um, what's the one I was using? HomeBridge and then looking at Home Assistant. And like, I just, I've noticed this thing where like, if I'm spending a huge amount of focus time on something, the expertise such as it is, or the ability to like solve a problem, let's put it that way. Um, it feels like there's an interesting pattern where there's always the ramp up of like learning enough to learn what I hopefully need to learn. And then there's like, oh, I feel like I made some good progress today. And maybe the next day you go back to it and it feels like there's been like a huge intellectual regression. And like, I, I, I either forgot everything I learned yesterday, such as it is, or I've just got this problem that I can't solve and it's driving me nuts. And then maybe the next day, suddenly the sky opens and for whatever reason, you know, this, in this case, this, this Docker container maybe just needed to reload 80 times before it worked. So it didn't work last night, and now it works in the morning. So that feels like less of a regression. But I'm also tying this to stuff like the story I've told you before about Friday, one Friday night, I couldn't play bar chords. And then that Saturday morning, I could play bar chords. And I don't know what happened overnight. So the thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I also think it relates to camera stuff, where I've had to strip way back on these incredibly elaborate ideas about what I should be doing and learning and buying and saying, like, just learn how a camera works again, mostly. So I'm just curious. I described it as, I feel like there's two possible analogies in, until you bring in the next one, which is like, I'm experiencing something like a yo-yo. I feel like where like I learn a little bit and then I feel like I have progress and then I fall back and then I have progress and I fall back. But I do make progress. It's just mainly, mainly, it could be just that I keep trying things until they work and then sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But and I just I wanted, wanted to maybe contrast that with the idea of like a long, slow, career-long climb where there's obviously still going to be regressions, but you've got some kind of a forward momentum because you don't get over your skis on what you're capable of. 
It's just that when you're when I'm when I'm super intensely focused on some kind of a uh, a project, especially if it's something new and exciting and techy and fun to me, um, I do feel like there's a weird pattern to that. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. So it's interesting your the the two uh, two analogies or whatever what did you call them two concepts uh, yo yo versus climb right they, they actually are very close to uh, the similar uh, analogies or whatever they are that. Uh, come to mind from the world of programming, uh, and that is top down versus bottom up. It happen- I hear mm-hmm. it a lot in the context of programming. I'm sure it exists in all of the subjects. But when people are trying to learn programming, as you can imagine, there's a lot to know, and there's a question of how to go about uh, learning it. Slow climb, your second one, implies you start low and you uh, slowly go from the bottom towards the top. That's slow climb. The, s- the slow is the important part. Right. That's bottom up. Um, and both of them mm-hmm. are a direction upward. What you have is called fast yo-yo is referred to in programming as top down. And the reason I think it ends up being a yo-yo is because if you do, well, first let me describe what bottom up is and then we'll do top down. Uh, mm-hmm. bo- bottom up is you learn, uh, are we going to talk about this briefly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> bottom up is you learn the fundamentals and you still can't do anything. And then you learn some more fundamentals and you still can't do anything. You're like, oh, I just want to do a thing. I don't want to. Kind, kind of like, like, like your first month of like Taekwondo. It's like, it's you like learning, music, it's like learning music theory for a year and you just want to play bar chords. Mm-hmm. And you just keep learning, you know, you just keep doing finger exercise. That's and you're like, this bottom doesn't... up. All right. Mm-hmm. It's a slow climb. Top down is you're like, just, I just want to play the song. It's like, well, you need to learn how to play the guitar first. No, I just want to play the song. And if you just hmm. want to do a thing, you might successfully do the thing, okay. but because you don't know what's lurking under the surface, then you just fall in a pit and you're just like, well, but now I don't know how to do this thing. And I have no, I'm grasping and now I feel like I've regressed, but that, I figured out this thing. And, but then I don't know how to do this thing. I figured out this thing. And you will eventually meet in the middle and eventually learn all the stuff in either direction, but it's a very different experience, but slow climb and bottom up. It's one experience and top down or fast yo-yo is a different experience and it really depends on what you want to trade off. Do you feel, would you prefer to not be able to do anything useful for a year, but when, when that year is up, know how to do a lot of stuff? Or would you prefer to do something today for the price of coming in tomorrow and maybe feeling like you've regressed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you're doing top-down and I think you probably prefer top-down, but I, I totally understand the frustration. Well, it's, it's also that... Um... There's there's something so exciting that that feeling the quickening feeling of like oh I'm getting closer to the thing that I want and I I, I, I for a variety of reasons I don't want to get too many specifics but I'll give a few specifics that are actually are totally germane which is I have known for a while let's let's focus on just mostly one thing although of course ultimately if I want to use have the Samba plugin then I'm going to have to do stuff on Mac and, you know it's not just this one device it's so like doing anything with my Synology, first of all, yeah, it's most, a lot of it's going to happen on the Synology, but I'm also going to have to deal with like, did I do link aggregation and my VLink set up, right? Oh, you know, if I do that, now I'm on Docker. Well, is Docker sharing the same network? Why can't I get this thing to be on the same network as do I want it on this bridge or this host, right? There's all that. That's just, that's just on the Synology. And that's before we've even gotten into like doing anything with all the software. Yeah, then there's the setup stuff on my Mac to get to the snow. Well, sometimes why, why does a, why does the, the domain name work sometimes? And sometimes the IP address works and sometimes the IP does address doesn't work at all. Oh, is that because I accidentally stepped on my dingus with port forwarding or firewall? There's so many pieces to this. Are we done yet? No, not by a long shot. 
because now also there's the, there's all that stuff. But because this is all controlling, uh, in this case, usually hardware like home home accessory stuff, there's there's all of that stuff to contend with. I mean, just really quickly in passing, the the reason I had to pull myself way back with the camera stuff was like I was spending all this. I said this to Alex on the podcast recently, but like I was spending so much time thinking about applying LUTs and getting the right lighting that I'd come, I'd forgotten what AV versus TV mode means. And that's when I caught myself and went like, wait a minute, you just need to go run and gun for a month with a camera to remember how to do stuff, right? Which I think was really good in that instance. <laughs> or like the, where I am right now with this, where I shamefully admit that like I'm using my iPhone for video stuff a lot more than my very costly camera because it works great and I don't have to do anything and there's no LUTs to apply. That all goes probably almost as much for what I'm trying to accomplish here, which is I know there's a world of interesting stuff out there that I can do with home automation that I just have a little taste of right now because I've mostly been running in, you know, you know, kind of, uh, you know, straightforward, like as it ships consumer mode. But anyhow, so there's all of that. There's all the Synology stuff. There's all the, the networking stuff. There is the, then there's just, there's so much stuff. So I started off, in this case, I started off with this thing called, um, called uh, why can I never remember the name? Uh, Homebridge, which is, the, I think, the one a lot of people use for doing HomeKit stuff. Long story short, I installed the Homebridge package. Eh, it's not, it's cool, but it's like not all that exciting. And then I learned about Home Assistant. Well, Home Assistant's really cool. You can run that package. Oh, guess what? There's actually four different pieces to Home Assistant. There's the OS. There's a supervised version. There's a core version. There's something called Haas. Okay, I guess I need to learn about that. How do I make these things go? Well, there's a package you can just run. And I ran the package and it mostly worked okay. But again, I still wasn't getting to what I really wanted. Then I learned there's a home assistant that you can be running. There's this dude who made one that runs mostly off of Docker. Well, guess what? The version of Docker inside of Synology is version 18, not version 19, even though we're currently on version 20 in the real world. How do I, how do I make that work? So at this point now, I've had to learn all these different things. I'm learning uh, for the first time in years, I'm doing anything Python related. I'm having to do these config configuration.yaml files. Oh, is there a way to edit those without having to go into, you know, like, a, can I get a GUI on my Mac for that? Well, that's a whole thing. Do I want to do that via SMB? Do I want to do it by Unix mount? How do I want, you know, do you follow where I'm going with this? I, as I keep discovering, I discover more and more, I gather a little bit more information, and then I discover that I'm not even on the version that I want to be on. And so finally today, I found a Docker version by that same dude that does the package, a Docker version that'll run on Synology's janky-ass Docker. It worked the first time I put it in, and I was able to apply bits of what I've learned in the last two weeks. But there are times where, like, by two this afternoon, I was like, I was like, I need to walk away from this, because now I'm having to learn about mosquito uh, packets and all these different things and location services and this is a post versus a get. And it's really overwhelming and my brain really kind of overflows. So I'm not trying to pretend for a second that I know a lot or that I'm a technologist, but another way that I put this to Alex was that sometimes when you're getting into a new venture, it's frustrating because you have to buy something and wait for it to be delivered before you realize you need to buy something different. And then you need to wait for that to arrive, like boohoo. But like with this camera stuff, I didn't even, I mean, there's so much dumb stuff all the way down to like three eighths inch female camera mounts where I need to get the thing to find out if it'll work with the thing. And now I'm buying toys for my toys. I don't know. It's been interesting. It's been exhilarating. It's been exciting. It's really fun. There's been lots of good breakthroughs, but I'm just trying to suss out some kind of a pattern for how to apply this in other stuff that I do to, to not be a, a lunkhead 
there's no stakes to any of this apart from my own time, which is virtually worthless. But it's been exciting and it's been weird and it has made me think a lot about, you know, learning to learn and then deciding what it is that you want to do. And I have to say, your, your very simple and clear analogy makes a lot of sense to me. I think I'm very, very, very top down in almost all of these ways. Like if the car breaks down, I don't want to go to mechanic school. I just want to make sure it gets back on the road. And maybe that's by me making a phone call. So, you know, I have to say, you know, me and projects, I like having a project a lot. Keeps the demon dogs at bay. I got, I've gotten a lot of good stuff out of this. I've learned some, some good stuff, hopefully at sort of a, I mean, I'm not the level where I could produce any of this for other people, but I am at the level where at least I know where to go to, to apply somebody else's expertise and it's been really exciting. I don't know. I just wanted your thoughts on that because you you have had a, a long road of learning. You, as I understand it, mentor and assist other people in getting better at what they do. Uh, give me your thoughts. Yeah, I feel like top down for areas like the ones that you delve into is is a, is a necessity because it's. I mean, I, and I, I your your uh, frustrations and and miniature triumphs and setbacks are indicative of the fact that in the particular subject matter that you have chosen this project in, it's the type of thing where as you start poking around, I mean, you, the story you said just sounds like a, a lot of people probably sounds like, what is it, yak shaving, where you, you try to do A and then you have to yeah, do B, and yeah. it, right? But it's it's not really All that in the service is something that's not particularly clear, right. let alone useful. But I yeah. think but I think there is a distinction. I don't think it's it's not really yak shaving because you're still just trying to do the thing. What you're discovering is that in your top down approach is that the ocean that's underneath you is way deeper and way darker than you thought it was. Right. I mean, and it has it has I don't want to say a unit test, but there is a state, a goal state here in some ways. I will know I've succeeded with this when I have two instances of an app like this, one at my house and one at my office. And I'll know it's been successful when just using my phone, it knows where I am uh, consistently and then lets me do stuff based on that. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the information that gets pulled out of your, your iPhone when you're you know running like the Home Assistant app is amazing. Like it'll show you like what your rate of movement it is. It'll show you how many you know stairs up and down you've done that day. Um, you know what I mean? All that stuff. But like, I do have, I do have a, a, what do you call it? A problem domain here, which is that like my office and my house are close to each other. Uh, they're still two different places. If they were five feet apart, they would still be two different places. It's just that I have a lot of struggles with getting automation to work the way I would like, partly because you can't get specific enough. You cannot, you can very rarely make two circles small enough that they don't eventually overlap and cause something screwy to happen. So my goal state is get this to where, and of course, the fun along the way is obviously fun. Like there's there's so much fun stuff in here because people have made all these little add-ons and integrations and mix-ins and like that, but there is a reason to do it. But I, I, lo- I love the journey and I love the, the stuckies and the cracker barrels along the way, but there is a purpose to this, which is to make home automation less of a pain in the butt and to, to make it more powerful and eventually more subtle. But so that's, that sounds, I mean, based on what you said, that sounds extremely top down to me. Yeah. I mean, and it has to be, because if you tried to do this bottom up, you, you would take you five years. Before if I spend you, a year learning how to make the, the turtle turn left twice, like I, I wouldn't be far enough along to want to be interested. Yeah. Like bottom up is the wrong approach to this because you have, you just described your goal. You know exactly what you want to do and you shouldn't have to learn the universe to do it. So hopefully you won't have mm-hmm. to, but you just learn, you just need to know enough to get it done. And uh, speaking of your specific problem, I do have one suggestion that I don't know if it's plausible because I don't know anything about home automation stuff, but it occurs to me 
that it would be great if there were some kind of home automation thingy that you could buy that understood the U1 chip. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're not I mean, using you can, that you can now, fake right? That. You can fake that with, I mean, you know, there, you obviously could do stuff like NFC tags. I'm really struggling with right, iBeacons. Right, but yeah. They're, I, they're I not mean, playing well. Yeah, the NFC, you don't want to be tapping your phone on things. No, no, j- no, jiggity, no. But, home again, yeah. home again. Like, you, you know. That's not mm-hmm. the way to live. But the U1 is just sitting there and it totally would work. You wouldn't have to actually do anything different. It would know when you're in your office, not based on GPS, but based on very close proximity. You'd have to go through your doorway, for example, to get into your office. And if you just had a U1 detector thing in your doorway, when you walked in that doorway, it would know you're in your office. And I know, I know. I had, I, I had a thing on my old version I was using on Homebridge where I'd gotten it to where it could prompt me. It says, you know, do you want me to turn off your office alarm? So basically, uh, when first person arrives in this perimeter, don't just open it or, on, 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 you know, disarm it. Like, throw up a notification that says, do you want me to run this? And I say, yes. And because it's detecting me there, it turns off the alarm before I walk in the door. Um, you, you know, I, I mentioned this on Back to Work, but something Snell told me about that is really scratching an itch is this really cool app called Control Plane. A lot of, I feel like what set this off for me is a combination of using apps like Home Dash and Home Plus that like show you how much information HomeKit is not showing you about what's in all of these things, what you can do, what you can use as a trigger, what you can use as a condition. All of this stuff HomeKit's never in a million years going to show you. That stimulated this, but also Control Plane. Do you, do you know this app? I don't. I know the concept it's like of location. Control Plane. It's basically like location manager back in the day. Mm-hmm. So you you have what are called contexts, which is like a place or you know a condition or you know, like how you want to be omnifocus. It is, and then um, and then you've got what are called sources of evidence and rules. And so a source of evidence is um, I can see this Wi-Fi network, or you are plugged in to this MAC addressed hub, right? So you say for this for this kind of a source of information, this is so sexy and smart. So you say like, for example, like, okay, like if I get, if your IP address is this, well, that's not actually that useful because that's, it's kind of the op, you're pushing a rope with that. But if it can see this BSSID, if it says, okay, I can see this era network. Okay. That's, that's a pretty good chance that you're at the office. If I see this era network, that's a pretty good chance that you're at the house. Well, what do you do with those in-between cases? Guess what? You personally assign a level of confidence. So like if I am on Stuff like, am I on power? Well, that's not super useful. But if it knows that I'm on this SSID specifically, um, that's it's 80% likely at least that I'm at the office versus the house. Now, what happens when you've got like six of these? It's amazing. It works great. Like when you say like, I'm, I'm on Ethernet and I'm doing this and I'm blah, blah, blah. Well, you could even toss in stuff like this time of day to say like after five o'clock, I'm probably at home. But then on top of it all, this is my wet dream, John, because you know this is how my brain works. So in addition to having a level of confidence for each source of evidence, you then for your context say, it, I need to be this N percent sure in order to do this. So like I have three network settings in the pull down. I have automatic, I have house, and I have office. If it doesn't know what to do, it puts me on automatic. If it's over like 80% sure that I'm at the house, it switches to house because, you know, I've got the dot seven versus dot one at the two different places. Long story. You follow? Like, that really got my brain churning. I'm like, if, if there's a guy who can make an open source app that does this on the Mac, and it's, I think it's not currently maintained, but like, I would love to be able to do more of that with home automation stuff. And when I say home, home automation, what I really mean is, I mean, let the devices that I paid all this money for, including my goddamn phone, do more for me, right? In a way of like, you know, the first time you use OmniFocus and it remembers, it says, hey, you're near a drugstore, go do this thing. Like, how cool is that? 
I want that stuff everywhere. And it seems crazy, the acrobatics you have to go through to get it. It's all just sitting there. <laughs> They're waiting to give you their money. Um, so that was a lot of that. Like, how cool is that though? Control plane, really cool. That does sound cool. I miss location manager and you're right. That, I do like, too. I used it all the time when I first got it. It was my first laptop that I owned. And I, 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 I don't know what I, I would have lost my mind without location manager. I have no idea why they would discontinue that. I mean, I think that when you, when you mentioned it, I said like, why, why don't we have that now? I think the reason is the way they want it to work with they being Apple is they don't want you to have to configure location manager or misconfigure it. They just want the computer to just figure it out and do the right thing. So the current behavior of like, oh, I'll join a network, uh, Wi-Fi network if I see it and all this other stuff. But like for most mm. people, they don't want to configure it. So it'll just do the right thing. But that I think that argues for not making people have to use location manager. I think the current... <laughs> it doesn't argue for not having it. Exactly. Right. Because like mm -hmm. you said, the information is all there. Like it's it's available to your phone, Right. This is you know, this is the reverse of the example of like where you know third party companies can harvest all your info and do stuff with it. This is your info. It's on your phone being conveyed by your yes. devices on your secure networks, and you're and you're not benefiting from right. it. Right, and you could you could like that that programming. You know, so I feel like it should be built into the OS. It's just default mode should be like, oh, you never have to worry about this. But if you care about it, go in and assign your percentages and assign your confidences and say. You know, the disabling the alarm requires 90% uh, uh, certainty, but yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. changing exactly Wi-Fi right. never requires this. That sounds super cool. I, I would love those things. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, it's sort of related to like, and I feel that I'm probably just parroting things other people, including you guys have said on ATP, but like, you know, I don't, you know, it's not like we ever got rid of the fax machine, right? So like it isn't, this, there's this myth, this longstanding myth about new technology pushing out old technology. Well, you know, it's old technology until you need what was on there. And then you'll bend over backwards to try and get your data scraped off that disk or whatever. But like when they say, oh, like, should you have, should you have a passcode versus should you have um, touch ID versus should you have face ID versus should that be on the back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, why can't we have all of those? By which I only mean, like, I would love to have more options on every level with that stuff. Like, for example, there's a thing like in 1Password, there's like a travel mode where you can make it more difficult to get into your stuff, where you could get enough to get certain kinds of things, but you don't get it all. And I return to my my uh, analogy of the screen door in the vault. I would like a lot more stuff. I would like more stuff where it challenges me extremely hard for certain kinds of things and thinks it's just a dawdle to do other kinds of things. You know, there was probably a time, I bet there was a time, John, when they thought it was nuts to have a camera button on the home screen. Oh my God. You could, anybody who had your phone could take pictures. And you're like, well, that's okay. I can live with that. Like, I can turn off whether Siri works on the home screen, but I like the ability to get to choose that. And I, I would like to know, that, like, if I'm about to disappear into a Turkish prison or if, you know, Rosamund Pike is about to grab my phone away and put me in a home, I would love something like a panic button that says, require the super secret, you know, <laughs> like double Yubico device to work on this. You know what I mean? Like, for other kinds of things, I don't care. But, but then... The sexy part is the continuum all in between, the spectrum, all the different ways where I would love just a little bit more control. I mean, how difficult would it be to say, you know, like the, sort of like the way one would hope fraud alerts work on credit cards, spoiler alert, they don't. But like, let's have it be more than just like, oh, did somebody just buy a bunch of gas or a Christian dating site? I would love stuff that's like, if something... Like, look for weird patterns. Like, if something strange happened with my phone, how about this? Was there a lot of sudden movement and then an attempt to use an ATM? That's really good to know. I would love for there to be certain cautionary things that kick in rather than just be like, if you grab it out of my hand while it's unlocked, it's yours for a few minutes. I, I would like more ways, and it's not just about security, but security matters. Like, 
you know what? I how about this? Here's a, here's one we could not implement today, but like whatever you, a biometric plus a passcode for certain kinds of things. I don't think that's ridiculous. I mean, the same way that like to escalate to root, if I want to do sudo dash i, like I got to re-enter my password and or or whatever. Like I would like a way to like say these kinds of things are relatively trivial for me, whereas these kinds of things. And now I want that I want that spectrum and that subtlety in lots and lots of things. And I, I just, I want to, I want to make the world a little bit smarter. And to do that, I have to make myself a little bit smarter. Yeah. Your example of the camera on the lock screen is interesting because I think that was actually, and the reason the, the companies I think are afraid to do this is when they first implemented that feature, it was, I think mm -hmm. it was like a security problem with it and that you could get into the phone by like causing a crash mm. or some unexpected behavior. Oh, from that the camera. sounds do, familiar. Do you that? Right. It seems like we get one of those every couple of years where there's something that uh, allows, unintentionally allows escalation to something. Outside yeah. of what it's supposed to do, yeah, and and, that, and that's not to say it's not a good idea because it is. We all have it now, and we're glad we do. But there's always the growing pains, and I think that's why people. are But a it's not bit as shy. simple as. But also, here's the other part, and this is where like the the middle <laughs> mid seasoning technologist to me gets this, and this is you know. So you say, oh, somebody's oh, put a put a button on the camera, and you're like, okay, well, should it be available all the time? Yes, okay. And so what happens when you click it? Well, you go into the camera app. Oh, okay. Well, can you change the settings while you're in the camera app? I don't know. Well, okay. All right. Well, but like, let's say you take four pictures. Can you look at them? Oh, that's complicated. Like, it just is right there. Just the ability to get to where we are right now must be somewhat challenging to say when you click this button, you can go in. All you get is the camera. You can choose settings that I think don't. Uh, I I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's anything you can permanently reset in the camera in that state. And the brilliant, the brilliant thing of saying like, yeah, you can see the photos you just took, but that's it. Like that's an extremely humane way to make something easy without making it stupid. Yep. And it just takes a few tries, but eventually we get it right. And I think it's worth it. I still can't make my flashlight go on the first time. Yeah. Force, I press wrong. Force press. Yeah. Uh, to, to wrap this up, I have, yes. I, have a, I have a quiz for you. Yeah, please. So I've just been looking at these while we've been talking here. If it's about pronunciation, I'm literally hanging up the phone. No. Um, okay. I am going to read you a state motto, and you're going to tell me the state. Okay, ready. Uh, hang on. No cheating. <sighs> okay. Nope, nope, nope. All right. Mountaineers are always free. Um, uh, it's not Delaware. It's green. Who's the green state? That's <laughs> the green state. Oh, well, isn't there some like, wait, wait, uh, mountaineers are mountain ears. Words sound like other things. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm lost. I'm going to say either somewhere in New England or a Dakota. It's a lot of mountains, it, a lot of mountains in New England. I mean, I guess. Yeah, there's... huge. They're called the New England mountains. Look yeah. it up. It's a range. It's a well-known range. Mm -hmm. It goes from one this to This is a hard one. That's West Virginia. Um, no. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. All right, here's one. Okay. An empire in an empire. It's in Latin, but I'm giving you the translation. Okay. Uh, the Vatican, Vatican City. These are U.S. states. I know. Oh, sorry. Wow. I guess you're not Catholic anymore, huh? Um, uh, well, empire in an empire. Uh, Michigan. Ohio. But no. You, now you have, you, you come from the We're state. We're the Buckeye state. An empire in an empire is the motto. The other motto is with God, all, all things are down. possible. That's also Ohio. Okay. You're over two, but these are super hard. Let me try, see if I can find one. You'll have a fighting chance. No, 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 no. Keep them, keep them hard. Fluff me. Mm-hmm. Um, ba, 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 ba. to the stars through difficulties, also in Latin. 
to the stars. <laughs> Ad Astra uh, per Aspera. To the stars through difficulties. Difficulties. Um, I think it's not going to be about the space program. Colorado. Kansas. Damn it! Why is, how is Kansas going to the stars? Doesn't make any sense to me. There's some aviation. I think Cessna's there. Yeah, let me find some non-Latin ones. Uh, friendship. You got Hope, which is Rhode Island. What about Friendship? Okay, Friendship. Uh, oh, oh, it's going to be surprising. Pennsylvania. Texas, and yes, it is surprising. Yeah, okay, see, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go hard enough. On the opposite okay, end, Alex, tell him what he would have won. <laughs> uh, on the opposite end of friendship, you have industry. Oh. What a lousy uh, motto. Industry. Industry. Well, I think they probably mean it more in the sense of working hard. All right. That's a good, follow that, follow that one. Um, Valuing hard work. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not Florida. Nope. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh... Uh, there's so many states. If you count the Vatican, there's like 53. <laughs> Industry, Pennsylvania. That is a good guess, but it's Utah. <sighs> what? And the Mormons. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Okay. They're 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 almost as ashamed of themselves. All right. As and, you are. and finally, Utah. the last one. Yeah. Utahns. They're called the last one. In God we trust. Um. In God we trust. Is it ironic? Not by design, but by implication. Kind of, but only in the... Uh, this is a state that couldn't, Washington. Come up, couldn't come up with a good motto, Washington. so I just looked at the money. Washington. Get it? Washington. Yeah, I no? get it. Well, I mean, it was only uh, added to the money, what, in the 50s? I don't know. And it kept us Nova Sorta Seclorum. You know? What? Ah, uh, damn it. It's no. a state that we pronounce differently. Uh, Florida? That's right. In <laughs> God we trust. They didn't do their homework and they just said, That was hard. I like this though. I like this new, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's academic thing we're doing. Florida Quiz, is on Quiznight. the floor of the U.S., which is why you call it Florida. 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 Florida.